Hey, everybody, and welcome to the State of the Art Podcast, where we're talking about art, technology, and most importantly, why you should give a shit. I'm your host, Andrew Herman, and I'm a startup founder, an engineer, and a creative. I am fascinated by the collision of art and technology. I'm excited to bring you along as I meet artists, collectors, CEOs, and founders, and anybody else who lives on the border between art and technology. This week, we're interviewing Vanessa Chang of Kodame. Kodame describes itself as a community for art and technology, but as you'll hear in my interview with Vanessa, they don't take themselves too seriously. They have a huge emphasis on play and understand how important play is for creativity and technology to blossom. Vanessa and I chatted about her PhD work at Stanford, Kodame's upcoming festival, by the way, you should all check it out, and a shy robot. Yes, a shy robot. You're definitely going to want to check that out. That's at the end of the episode. So please allow me to introduce our guest, Vanessa Chen. All right, so we are here today with Vanessa Chang of Kodame, and I'm super excited to talk to you. We've already been talking a little bit in the office here. So welcome. Thanks for being here. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. So I'm really curious. We'll learn more about Kodame in a second. But before we get there, I I really kind of wanted to learn a little bit more about you. Mm -hmm. You have um, a you lecture at California College of the Arts. You hold a PhD in modern thought and literature from Stanford. So, you know, from for my eye, you're pretty pedigree in the world of art. Mm -hmm. Can you tell me a little bit about kind of what led into technology from the start in a more pedigree art background? Mm -hmm. Well, my um, PhD research is in art and technology. Um, My my program at Stanford was an interdisciplinary program. So I was trying to find a way to write about all the things that interested me that cut across different disciplines. So one way of really exploring that intersection was in art, technology, and gesture. So I spent quite a number of years, as you do, um, (laughs) working um, on these questions. And I worked on gesture and digital technology in music and in comic books and in electronic literature. Hmm. And... um, I also worked in different kinds of modes, like I interviewed musicians, I conducted ethnography, I did drawing classes, and I really wanted to sort of work with artists and um, kind of work through what they were doing at the level of gesture and understand how this informed kind of emerging digital art. So spending a lot of time by myself in, in libraries, but also interviewing people, I um, I felt that uh, art and the kinds of art that these artists were creating were posing really interesting problems, but also solutions to questions that were emerging um, in the sort of landscape around tech. And so after I graduated, I thought, well, I, I want to be around artists more. I feel like this is, this is the horizon hmm. um, of where I can really understand what's happening, that there's these there's this tone in culture around technology and digital media that can be kind of apocalyptic or really utopian. Um, and the digital artists were kind of offering more interesting ways of thinking about that. Hmm. So is it kind of safe to say that, you know, if artists are sort of the harbingers of culture or if they're sort of the um, great commentators of the biggest issues, right, is that's kind of their place in history? Is it fair to say that tech is just the next big question that art is addressing and that's kind of what brought you there? Well, I mean, I try I tend to think of tech in the context of 
kind of media writ pretty large. So in my own research and when I teach, I, I try to get my I try to get myself thinking and my students thinking about technology as something that is really very old, right? The, mm. You know, you kind of think about the tools that we use, like a pencil. That's that's a technology. Writing is a technology. Yeah. These are all technologies that have become invisible because they've kind of we've used them so much. Right. And so they become the bastion of authenticity. Um, and then the thing that becomes tech is the most cutting edge technology. Hmm. So to me, this is all part of the same kind of uh, continuum of expression. And art is simply a space in which these different media and these different technologies are opportunities for expression. Hmm. Cool. Can, and can we, I'd like to get, like take a step back. When, when you talk about um, gesture and the importance of gesture and the meaning there. Uh, can you define that for the listeners and for me, frankly? Because mm -hmm. it's funny, it's, I'm an engineer mm -hmm. and a creative. And so for me, when I think gesture, I immediately go to like iOS <laughs> gestures, which is probably <laughs> not what we mean. Um, and I also know the artistic definition of gesture, but in mm -hmm. what is the context that you mean here? Well, I have a pretty expansive and cross-disciplinary sense of gesture. Um, gesture is, I mean, gesture is in the iOS sense of gesture. Mm. Gesture is about interaction. And I see that as of a piece with the kinds of gestures that you make when you're drawing an image mm. or when you're strumming a guitar. Yeah. Um, but there's also this other dimension to gesture, I would say, that is um, not purely physical, that there's something gestural in art itself, right? The mm. way a line moves, I mean, a gesture drawing, yeah. for example. Or um, the way um, a phrase moves in music. Mm. And I see there's a fundamental sort of relationship between that aesthetic space and the kind of physical movements of the body. And that's a lot what my work is about, kind of exploring that connection. Yeah, very cool. That's uh, for, uh, you know, what we're trying to accomplish on the podcast and what like my personal interest is in the art world. Um, I think it's really important to sort of deconstruct mm -hmm. the like that's a very um that's that's almost like industry jargon right gesture yeah. when you're talking to an artist mm -hmm. and and someone in the art world understands that implicitly but mm -hmm. i think uh for someone outside the art world to understand that gesture and essence are you mm -hmm. know sort of interwoven mm -hmm. um is sort of an important observation yeah and my work is in many ways about bridging those conversations you know when you suggest that gesture in an interface is not really the same as the artistic gesture. I'm like, I think, I think they're pretty close. They're not, they're not the same. Yeah. Well, there's a reason we use the yeah. same word, right? Right. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Um, so I'm really interested. Uh, there, there's this line that you use to describe yourself online um, where you say you work with artists, dancers, scholars, technologists, coders, and musicians to understand how we might live and move in a technologically mediated world with humor, grace, deliberation, responsibility, innovation, and a sense of fun. So what jumps off the page to me about that is the sense of fun. Mm -hmm. What's Why is that in there with all of these other words and other language that you typically hear mm -hmm. uh, sort of associated with the austerity of art? I mean, for, in a deeply personal sense, I needed some fun to make it through my, uh, my degree. <laughs> So it's just motivation to get through um, your thesis. So that was that's one dimension, but I yeah. also think it's pretty crucial. I mean, when when we're talking about interfaces, there's this sense of practicality, um, and I mean, this I can talk about Kodame a bit later, but this sort of priority of play in the work that we do as an organization, but I, that I think is embedded in a lot of artwork as a kind of exploratory space 
fun is something that's connected to play and play is a space of possibility. Like how can we move better and more differently? You know, how I, I go into um, into cafes and I watch people working on their laptops and it's this very kind of often deflated posture, you know, <laughs> and the interface isn't just you looking at the screen typing. It's your entire embodiment. It doesn't look like a lot of fun. Mm. And it, it's a kind of closing off of possibility, I think. Mm. And so I want to work with artists and dancers and musicians who have that sense of fun and play because I think there's so much more that our bodies are capable of yeah. and are capable of in like choreography with the technologies that we use as well. Mm. Yeah, I think that's um that's a concept that that I love and I think um is a difficult one for people to to get over sometimes is that an interface can be any it's literally an interface, right? It's where two things meet and uh you know, I have a friend who introduced me to Aza or Jeff Raskin, um, the humane interface. And, you know, in his book, he's talking about VCRs and microwaves and, you know, how we're designing that doors, you know, how how you look at a thing and just say, how do I interact with that? So I think it's a fascinating place for uh, the artistic perspective as well. Um, so what, you know, whether it's sort of in that direction or not, what are the areas of sort of art and technology that you're seeing now that you're most excited to move into? Um, well, partly um, due to my work with Kodame, I find this space of art and AI is super exciting mm. um, because, you know, on one hand, the way people are talking about it are um, like, oh, AI is going to destroy everything, run out of homes. But then there's this incredible whimsy around a lot of these projects, mm. you know, that seem to really be inspiring people. And then I think, you know, the, a lot of the ways people talk about it are so removed from us, but it's like such an incredible mirror of our artistic practices, of how we, um, the data we put together on ourselves and the way it kind of spits that out back at us just is so promising, I think, in that intersection with art and AI. Yeah. Oh, man, there's so much to talk about there. <laughs> we'll get there. Yeah, okay. But hold on. I want to hold off. You're jumping the gun on my plan. No, we'll get back to that because there's so much to talk about yeah. in that world. Um, so so let's jump first, though, to, to Kodame, right? Mm -hmm. That's why you're here. I'd love to know. So, you know, so your PhD, it sounds like, actually had a lot to do with, um, with technology and the mm -hmm. impact of uh, art on technology and technology on art. Mm -hmm. um, how'd that bring you to Kodame? Well, after I graduated um, last year... I really wanted, I, was, I found myself really hungry for just spending more time with artists and, you know, the the intellectual work of being an academic and doing academic work is really um, stimulating in some ways, but I found myself longing to work more with the people who I was writing about. You know, I kept writing like, God, oh, that future, they're offering us different ways of thinking about this and this and this. Ah, so. Yes. Then I, um, so sort of looking around, like how can I, I mean, San Francisco is just this incredible space for that. There's not many places where you can think, hmm, how will I get involved in right. art and tech? Right. Oh, this is how, <laughs> you know, it's right <laughs> oh, there. Oh, they're actually like two blocks away. <laughs> Let me just knock on their door. Yeah. yeah. So I, um, I had been to a couple of their events before. Hmm. So I reached out to them and I said I was interested in doing some curatorial work with them and um, working closely with artists. And they're very... Um, accepting um, group. I'm like, sure, if you are willing to sort of be here, do the work, take part, we'll have you. And and here I am. And here I you am. are. <laughs> Very nice. That's cool. 
It's a little bit like a love story. You just showed up <laughs> and you... <laughs> uh, well, okay. So I, it's probably about time I ask you, what is Kodame? Mm-hmm. Tell, tell our listeners what Kodame is, what you guys stand for. So Kodame is a nonprofit committed to creating art and tech events and projects and collaborations. Um, and so some of the work we do, a lot of the work we do are event-based. We have a festival every year. Um, the one that's coming up in a few weeks, we'll have um, a web fest, which is about 3D web art. We've done a lot of other stuff, but we also kind of foster collaborations between people working in technology and artists who may not have that kind of technological skill. Mm. Um, in terms of what we're about, play, excitement, innovation, inspiration. There's mm. there's so many ways, I think, to be in tech. And we really want to emphasize that it's not that difficult to get into it, that we can connect you with people who have those skills and that people are eager to collaborate. And so a lot of our events are about creating that kind of inspirational, playful experience. Why is play so important for you? I don't think that's a that's not a word that I would immediately, if someone said, you know, close your eyes and spit out the first <laughs> word that you think of when someone says art or tech, mm-hmm. it probably wouldn't be play. Why is that such a foundational thing for you guys? I think there's a, I mean, I, I wasn't there at the founding of Kodame, sure. so, um, but I find <laughs> that my values in terms of um, valuing play as a sort of way of encountering technology is something that really jives with what Kodame is about. And so I think that play is, it allows people, is a space that allows people to grow. I mean, if you're talking about the way children learn best, it's not sort of sitting there and being like, you do this. It's playing and sort of experimenting, right? So this notion of play is connected to experimentation. I think another way of thinking about play is kind of like flexibility, you know, a a joint or something might have a bit of play in it, Mm, right? So there's this space for growth and change and flexibility and experimentation that's contained in this idea of play that, um, that is really uh, connected to our ethos as an organization. Hmm. Yeah, I love that. My experience has been that creative people are are the best at at that, just going out and playing. But then also, you know, turning it into something productive. Like mm-hmm. it's not, it's play can sound frivolous, but mm-hmm. you know, it also tends to result in some some of the best, most inspired yeah. work, right? And it's about creativity. You play music, right? Right. That's yeah. about playing. Blow my mind with language <laughs> right now, man. <laughs> Cool. So it's interesting because sort of in contrast, I guess, at least to the connotation of the word play, um, one of the things that that your mission says, well, the whole thing actually, <laughs> is that uh, your mission is to inspire entrepreneurs, innovators, startups, and companies to inject creativity into their organizations. Mm-hmm. So I think it's really cool because, you know, there's a contrast between play being a core value, but you guys being pretty serious about um, what looks to me like being involved with business as well mm-hmm. and, and making sure that, you know, you're a serious part of organizations. Mm-hmm. Can you kind of explain what that angle is and how those two things play together? Mm-hmm. Play, together. play together. I like it. Ah, <laughs> right? You're getting there. You're getting there. I got that one for free. That was a total accident. <laughs> um, well, play is transformative. And I think that creating these kinds of experiences for organizations um, is a way of sustaining organizational and the social change. Um, we have a, we have a code of um, conduct and a code of ethics in the organization that really drives um, what we do and who we um, choose to work with. And that's really important to us. But we think that, well, 
I, I think that we think <laughs> um, that working with organizations and these kinds of companies is really um, about intervening in major kind of institutions that are shaping our world today. Um, and they have a lot of resources and, and as we found, like a lot of interest in um, developing creativity and offering spaces for the creative in their um, institutional environments. And I think the big picture there is that um, when you have, I mean, on one hand, when you have like creative employees, you have kind of more successful businesses. Right. right. Um, but you also, I think, have more kind of ethically committed um, businesses when you have that kind of space. Because, you know, I, I come from, I've spent a lot of time in um, university context and a big thing that's been an issue in what um, where I've come from is the way in which an interest in the humanities has really atrophied. You know, um, hmm. you know, I, I even though I work in this intersection of tech and art, I come primarily from a humanities background. Sure, right, literature, visual culture, that kind of thing. And many institutions are having trouble filling those classes, and the majors are really dropping a lot. And what we're I'm sort of seeing in whether they're op-eds or sort of people trying to wrestle with this problem in institutions is that you're getting people working in technology who don't have an interest in art, in play, in creativity. And I think that hmm. you can make a connection then to the kinds of problems that people are seeing with the way technologies are implemented. Yeah. The sort of lack of dimension, a sort of sense of what else might emerge in the kind of cultural and social context around the implementation of technologies. I want to take a quick break to tell you more about our Patreon page. As you know, here at State of the Art, we want to build the art and tech community, increase the conversation, and we love bringing you guests from across the art and tech world. But the thing is, there's so much more we want to do. We want to continue to bring you great guests. We want to do live podcasts. We want to increase the frequency. To do that, though, we need your support. Visit our page at patreon.com slash state of the art. Pledge just a dollar and you'll get access to exclusive content, behind the scenes footage, and a chance to be our super fan of the week. And let me tell you, this is pretty cool. Super fans will get a shout out on next week's episode and a chance to show your art and tech thoughts, events, or whatever within our social feeds. So go to patreon.com slash state of the art and become one of our patrons today. Now back to the episode. So this is such an interesting notion for me because I think that, you know, so you and I live in the San Francisco Bay area, mm -hmm. right? And one of the um, one of the hot topics that people like to, you know, get drunk or stoned and talk about is is sort of the conflict between the tech community and the and the art community. Mm -hmm. Um, and what what I always find kind of uh, distressing is too strong a word, but mm -hmm. like aggravating about the debate is that, you know, I know both sides. I, I know those people personally. Mm -hmm. I know the businesses. I know the the art initiatives, and. What's so interesting to me is that their DNA is so in line, right? 
the this idealism, this notion that I have something in my head that I just have to get out and it's going to make the world a better place and I don't care what I have to do to, to get it out there. Mm-hmm. So when you say that the tech crowd is losing interest in art, like how how can that how can that be when they're so closely when they share such hmm. close DNA? I think that it has. To, I mean, I really think that the kind of social context of San Francisco and the kind of structural issues around housing and funding have sure. a lot to do with it. Sure. Um, at least um, in the universities that I've been at, majors are dropping because people are thinking, like, "What? How am I going to get a job with this mm. English major?" Yeah. You know, and and we're saying, like, "No, it's important as a human being <laughs> to mm. to do this." Yeah. Um, but there's there's a re- reality that people are reckoning with, like, "Well, I." I need to commit to something that will guarantee me a future. And if you extrapolate that, I think, to what's happening in San Francisco, I don't think tech is an of itself um, is of itself a problem, but that there's it's really entwined with this these questions of displacement, like where are artists gonna go? Like where do they get to do art? How do they get the funding to do art? Right. So that I think is partly how that binary happens. Yeah. But it's you know, there's so many other kind of cultural and social contexts that inform that. Yeah. But yeah, this sense of creativity and urgency. I mean, if you look back um, at um, California and Stanford and Berkeley in like the 70s and 80s and right. the rise of computing, I right. mean, absolutely. That's, I mean, that's the test case, right? Total art. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That was an absolutely artful movement mm-hmm. in the time. So... So you touched on this a couple times, and I'm gonna I'm gonna fast forward to this question because I think it's so relevant. One of the things, the inverse story to that that I've heard, Mm -hmm. in terms of people abandoning humanities because they feel like they have to get into technical fields just to make money, right? Mm -hmm. The corollary or the inverse of that is um, that there's a lot of people who are looking in the crystal ball of what artificial intelligence can bring Mm -hmm. around. And are saying, eh, it's actually the opposite. Mm-hmm. Like the <laughs> what we need to be building is an understanding and appreciation of humanities because that's maybe all that's going to be left over once the impending singularity comes and <laughs> takes us all. You yes, know? yes. So I'm curious um, to get your perspective on that from from the AI perspective. Um, like, do you see that scenario being a reality? And if it is, does that sort of emphasize what? something like Kodame's role is mm-hmm. in uniting those two things. Mm-hmm. Do I see the singularity? I guess that was a long winded. I've been told I need to make my questions shorter. So let me try that. Um, uh, the question is, um, do you see a real future where um, artificial intelligence threatens, uh, threatens, you know, traditional jobs to the mm-hmm. point that humanities are going to become more important, not less. Yeah. Well, I, it's interesting when you think about something like traditional jobs, because it's not all that long that they've been traditional, mm. right? Like how we think about labor and people's role in the workforce, if you kind of think about it from the sort of historical view, is, I think, fairly recent. So um, is AI going to threaten traditional jobs? Maybe, maybe it'll take people out of the factory. Maybe that's good, but then maybe we'll have to, and this is kind of maybe taking the lefty perspective, maybe something like basic income or thinking about how we will meet people's needs or sort of thinking about how um, the displacement of people from those jobs will allow us and afford us more space to be creative or to um, commit to each other as a society and and Mm. as humans. But 
I think that it's not, I don't think it's an intractable problem, but I think it's one that will need many different perspectives, right? It will need people thinking about the ethical sort of um, interests of AI. It will like, have people thinking about like what AI can do for art, that all of these perspectives are really important because, I mean, it's kind of here already. I mean, yeah. you're, you're autocorrect and, <laughs> you know, everyone kind of freaks out about, oh, what was that Google voice demonstration a few days ago? Um, you know, like they could talk to each other and make an appointment. Oh, right, 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 right. And everyone's right. like, oh, it's here. I'm like, yeah, it's kind of been here. Um, I mean, I don't think the worst, um, you know, the, the actual displacement of humans is really far away if it's actually possible. But the displacement of all these kinds of small activities that we kind of take personally as our activities. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's happening. But I don't think that it's um, all dystopian. I think that um, it's really important to think about the ways in which it's problematic. Yeah. You know, the way I'm sure you've talked about this in other contexts, but the way in which AI kind of replicates like discrimination, mm. <laughs> like structures of racism and sexism. Right, like the IBM project that just yeah. immediately turned into like filth spewing. Exactly, because yeah, yeah. AI is us yeah. at this moment. It's kind of, just, at the moment, I would say it's basically statistical analysis kind of refracting ourselves back at us. That can be a lesson, mm. you know, and that can be a lesson that maybe we can use art to work through. Fascinating. So what what work are you guys doing at Kodame with AI? Mm. Um, well, at the moment, we're focusing on this festival, um, Artobots. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Tell yes. me about the festival then. So the festival is, well, the broad theme is automation, um, but we're focusing on art created with AI as well as robotics. So we'll have some performance art, some installation art, and um, a two-day conference um, focused on the kind of questions around AI and robotics and the way it's kind of shaping human endeavor, but also the kind of cutting edge of what people are creating and doing with um, AI and robotics. So some of the art projects there might um, might kind of filter imagery through um, neural networks and kind of mm. integrate that into an installation experience and have people kind of meditate on that reflection. Yeah. Um, some pieces are um, more kind of whimsical. We've got a piece that uses sort of artificial intelligence to animate like hand-drawn butterflies around a room. And, you know, kind of in, in the conference, we'll be thinking about like AI in relation to art, whether art can create it with AI is more interesting mm -hmm. <laughs> to people as it, yeah. it sometimes is. Yeah. Um, but I think what we're doing right now is really trying to sort of think about aesthetic possibilities of AI and robotics, you know, kind of grappling with these questions of what's problematic and what's complicated, but also creating this, this play space where people can kind of work through it and be like, oh, well, I didn't, I didn't realize AI could do that it's so simple. Because right? mm. in some ways, I think, I think AI is really, at the moment, it's really simple in some yeah. ways. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it can be. I think um, <laughs> there's, there's something that happens sometimes with technologies, that, like, like a tchotchkeization. Mm-hmm. Right. Or like you have this big, amazing mm -hmm. bleeding edge thing and then you turn it into uh, like Pokemon, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and so I think there's a lot of examples of that. And I think, you know, one of the interesting things that I've said for years is as an engineer, I think there's a lot of miscommunication, mm -hmm. right? People get 
people are terrified of the singularity, but mm-hmm. the actual like engineering behind that is a little bit more complex than mm-hmm. than people might give credit mm-hmm. to. One thing that's interesting, I remember I had a friend that that demonstrated this to me years ago, that pretty much at every point in human history when there's been a major uh, technological innovation, mm-hmm. the idea of the singularity shows up. Mm-hmm. And the one like classic example of this is whenever the steam engine come comes to play and comes to fruition, um, there's like all these articles get getting written about like what happens whenever my arms get replaced by steam engine <laughs> muscles and like my heart is no longer a biological heart. It's a steam engine heart. You know, where where does man become machine? Pretty noisy experience. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> I mean, these questions kind of recur over and over mm. and over. Um, I just wrapped up teaching a, a, a class at CCA and um, one of the, so I t- part of my sort of teaching repertoire is in sound and technology. And so one thing I always assign is this amazing sci-fi um, short story, I think like 1895. And mm. this is just within a decade of sound recording. Oh, no, t- sorry, two decades. It was 1878. And it's just this incredible experience. This guy's on a train and somebody offers him this headphones that he can listen to a book. And it's this like incredible like exposition. Like he listens, he falls asleep. And then there's this whole world around like audible books. And then they have this device that they call the indispensable, which is basically your iPhone. So people are constantly dealing with the same issues. And when this this kind of fear of singularity around technology, I mean, the example I always love is this um, handwriting, right? And the way people valorize handwriting is Mm. the more authentic encounter and the type, you know, you kind of lose expression. Right. If you um, look at Plato's Phaedrus from 2,000 years ago, mm. he's talking about writing as this horrible threat to human like memory and authenticity that it's going to threaten speech. <laughs> so we are always rehearsing these kinds of fears, I think, whatever the medium is. Mm. Rehearsing is a powerful word there because it's not... The implication is it's not like Mm -hmm. an end result. It's something we're consistently practicing. And I think with the singularity as well, I mean, a lot of my friends do really interesting work around science fiction or speculative fiction. And that is a really interesting space for thinking about why people have these kinds of assumptions. We need to think culture when we think about technology because that's where a lot of these ideas are coming from. Yeah. Fascinating. Fascinating. Well, you guys are doing some really cool stuff. I mean, you know, I think just just going to Kodame's website and and researching, like you can feel, uh, you can feel the energy just from kind of skimming the the projects that you guys are involved with. What are you hoping? Who's your audience for um, for this festival, and what mm-hmm. are you hoping their experiences? Well, um, our audience are designers, technologists, artists. We do um, have a lot of artists coming out of the tech industry because there's a sort of question of um, skills, right? And kind of skills that you can bring to art practice. Mm. Um, but also um, a number of people like scholars and just people who are interested in sort of creative creative technology and sort of where we're going. And I mean, I, I feel like I'm beating the same drum here, but I hope that we they, they are inspired. I hope they walk away feeling a sense of wonder 
and a sense of possibility and maybe a sense that they can do it too. So um, part of this festival is also workshops. So we're running four different workshops um, and there's a Twitter bot workshop, there's a fashion tech workshop, there's a neural network style transfer workshop. Hmm. And people will walk out of each of those workshops with something they've created. Yeah. You know, so that's really critical to what we're trying to achieve here. Not just feeling like a sense of wonder and interest and inspiration and also having learned something. I mean, that's as as a as a teacher, I'm like, I want people to learn something too. <laughs> <laughs> right, 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 right. But also that they that they've achieved something, that it's within the realm of possibility and that yeah. they can have a hand and a voice in these conversations, that it's not so forbidding to them. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, I mean, I, I just really want to highlight that for listeners that it's a, you know, what you guys are doing is a highly interactive thing. Um, and there's a lot of workshops and there's a lot of learning that's happening. Mm -hmm. What, uh, what kind of, so, I mean, when you're talking about like running neural networks mm -hmm. workshops, like, are you expecting PhDs to come in? Or no, like, what's the competency you that you need to start? You can walk in. Oh, I mean, you're an engineer, so <laughs> I could walk in. And <laughs> I'm not a very good engineer. I'm a front-end engineer. So um, <laughs> the artist teaching that workshop is an artist, Gary Boudou. And he's a Jamaican-born interaction designer. He'll be showing an installation at the, our event. He's shown it a few places called Deep Dream Vision Quest. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's quite amazing. It's so you know the you're familiar with the deep dream sure. vision processing yeah. software. So he uses that software and something like it to end a live video feed to um take images and sort of translate them hmm. to style transfer yeah. um into a live kind of processed image. And the kind of artistic conceit there is that it creates this collective reservoir of shared human machine imagery. Great art project. But he's also teaching this workshop that's so accessible that um, I was recently looking at, he taught it at um, If So What recently, mm. the If So What Festival, because mm. we had a presence there. I was looking at the imagery that students created. I think it was a three-hour workshop. And it was just astonishing yeah. what people can achieve. He's a great teacher. You don't need to have a PhD. Um, you don't need to be a coder. Yeah. Right? It's, it's all great. about accessibility. Great. So if anybody has an interest, they mm -hmm. should look it up. Where can they find it? Um, so if you're interested in learning about the festival, you can go to festival.kodame.com. And if you go to kodame.com parent website, there will be sort of specific links there. But all the festival-related workshops are at festival.kodame.com. Very cool. And Vanessa, how else can people find both you and Kodame? Right. So um, if you want to get in touch with me, you can email me at Vanessa at kodame.com <laughs> um, and on kodame.com on kodame there's a, um, a few ways to reach us you can go fill out our sheet if you want to volunteer that's great if you just want to reach out and have an idea for collaboration that's great we reply quickly um, it's easy to work with us and to be part of what we're doing Vanessa, I'm, this has been really exciting to sit here and talk to you. I've been a fan from afar for a while. Great. Just knowing that you guys are in the area. Um, and, and it's great to finally sit down and talk to you and uh, find out more about what Kodame is all about. So it has been really exciting to talk to you. And uh, oh, yeah, we, we have to ask you. I, I've been told um, <laughs> there's a story that you have to share about a shy robot. Oh, Shybot. Yes, <laughs> yes. Um, last year, Kodame worked with the Italian artist Norma Jean, um, and we built a robot, Shybot. 
And so Shybot is, well, he's lost now, but he, um, she, sorry, Shybot's a she, I forget. <laughs> she, she, Gender she, identified Shy yes, Robot. Yes, yes. So Shybot was um, curated as part of the Desert X Biennial in Palm Springs. And Shybot ran away from people. She, <laughs> she was shy. So that was Norma Jean's idea. They, they released Shybot in the desert. And... <laughs> She's solar, solar powered, and off she went, and she's gone now. <laughs> so, so what I'm hearing is uh, mission accomplished, right? With exactly. creating a shy robot, exactly. And we'll have an installation based on um, her absent presence. That's so cool. At I the hope event. She's living in a cave in the desert somewhere, just like warming just her stay hands away around from a fire. Me. Just like I am content here. This is my happy place. Leave yes. me alone. I love it. All right. Well, Vanessa, before I let you go, mm -hmm. uh, as always, we got to do a rapid fire part. Okay. So, all right. You know the drill. The goal is just fire back as quickly as possible. Like words or sentences mind. or? Whatever comes to okay, mind. I think okay. it's going to be more like more like thoughts. Okay. Like things you like and don't like. Okay. All right. All right. So, uh, first one's a strange one, but hey, it's a grab bag. What body part would you not mind losing? Hmm. Oh, I like all of them. <laughs> <laughs> They're all really comfortable They're, where they I are, I really right? like all of them. I guess I would lose a pinky. <laughs> Fair enough. Just <laughs> minimizing damage mitigation. I love that thought. <laughs> you're, you're not an engineer? Because that feels like a very engineering answer. Uh, what's your favorite quote or words of wisdom? My favorite quote. Um, this is an old one, but actually, and it's ex extremely literary. It's the end of James Joyce's Ulysses. Ooh, please. And it is... Yes, I said yes, I will yes. I love that. That makes me think of a Jim Carrey movie called Yes Man. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't see it. Saw the trailer, though. <laughs> it's great. It's probably as poignant as James Joyce's. Mm -hmm. uh, who's your biggest art hero? My biggest art hero? That's a good question. Um, right now, I guess I would say Chris Ware, who's a comic, he's a graphic novelist. Very nice. Cool. And last but not least is a very important question in San Francisco. Cat or dog? Dog. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm allergic to cats. Ah, me too. <laughs> but also awesome. I love dogs. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it makes it easier to love dogs when you're allergic to cats. Awesome. Thanks so much for being here, Vanessa. Thank and, you for having uh, me. I hope we keep in touch. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Great. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks again for listening to this episode of The State of the Art. If you're interested in learning a little bit more about Kodame, I highly recommend checking them out. You can find their website at kodame.com. That's C-O-D-A-M-E.com. If you're in the San Francisco Bay Area, I highly recommend that you check out their festival next week. We're going to be there to cover it. Uh, it's going to be a great time. I hope I see you there. Also, you can find Kodame online at all your favorite social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, uh, Medium, all of it. Just search for Kodame, C-O-D-A-M-E. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode, and I hope to catch you on our next chat with Meow Wolf. Meow Wolf is an awesome Santa Fe-based art collective that really defies all explanations. Hope to catch you next time. Thanks for listening to The State of the Art. If you enjoyed this podcast, please rate and review it. It really helps us out. Leaving a review is super easy and helps other listeners just like you discover our podcast. Look, we want to bring you the coolest conversations from art and technology. 
but we don't know everything. If you guys have any questions, thoughts, or suggestions, please hit us up on Twitter or Instagram under the handle State of the Art. There's some other awesome exclusive content there too. Until the next episode, this is your host, Andrew Herman, signing off from State of the Art.